One Together podcast, the podcast about bringing us together as one. It's funny. And it has been getting bigger and bigger every week with a mission to stop bullshit media from creating stupid stories that play into an idea that we just want drama and titillating headlines with zero substance. I mean, do you want that? Do you want gossip and rubbish that has no real substance? Because I was told that you do by many people in the entertainment industry. And what's more, that that's what women want? Ugh. Anyway, look, if we haven't already met, I am a very passionate and eccentric Heather Maltman. This entire podcast was created in the hope of creating an industry of media whereby we actually have to give you what you want rather than us telling you what you want. Let's educate ourselves and talk about stuff that really matters. And I am proud and loud about being a person who wants to connect people for real, which we are very proud to say has been happening. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your stories and requests to keep joining the podcast. I will get back to all of you. So please keep on saying hi. But first, we need to get into this week's episode. The only way to describe my mate, Stephen Hunter, is, well, okay. He's that human you probably met once or twice at school or in the office, right? And you just wrote them off as just some human that is funny sometimes. Which is pretty much what everyone at our acting school did, except for me and maybe a few other people who really got to know him. So let me tell you something right now. Be mindful of that person because you should never underestimate them. Shunter, as we lovingly know him, went from class joke and the dude that everyone thought would just be an actor as a hobby to being one of the successful dwarves in The Hobbit. Yeah, Peter Jackson. Yeah, that one. And then he went on to do Reef Break. Yeah, recently shot on the GC. It's on ABC. And this all unfolded just as his wife, Laura, said, hey, P.S., I'm pregnant. So now, with his beautiful daughter, Rosie, in his life, we talk about how you can keep on keeping on when it's hard. He also makes me a delicious homemade lemonade and a coffee. So make sure you settle in for some serious chats here and some laughter, because this guy is a funny son of a bitch. The following podcast has mild coarse language and nudity is referenced. For support, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or a trusted medical professional. What haven't you done? What voiceover didn't you work on? What advertisement have we not seen your beautiful face in? Oh, look, there, there's plenty um, that I'd like to be doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and also, just obviously, a little disclaimer. Um, possibly wasn't the star of The Hobbit or the, maybe one of the stars of you The Hobbit. You were the star to <laughs> me, man. You shone past all the other guys in there. I mean, Bomber was by far my favourite dwarf and it, that was like... It was pretty cool. He's so funny. I mean, because Ian McKellen was in it, um, obviously, uh, and Martin Freeman, Richard Armitage and uh, yeah. a lot of the dwarf boys who I'm still very friendly with. I'm actually shooting a film at the end of the year with, uh, well, apparently, <laughs> I haven't seen the contract, but um, <laughs> but with one of my very good friends, Graham McTavish, who's in, oh, yeah, yeah. He's an outlander preacher, uh, yeah. about to be in Lucifer, I believe. Yeah. Um, and Preacher's coming to Melbourne. So Preacher, like, really? as we speak, is filming in Melbourne for half of this year. So I'll get to see him a little bit. And we're doing a film in New Zealand called This Guest of Summer, which is um, apparently I'm in, um, mm-hmm. although they haven't quite nailed down what character, but. And we're filming literally 15 minutes from where I was brought up in New Zealand, which is crazy. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you go back to your old stomping ground then? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason why I wanted to talk with you today is because obviously we went to um, acting school together. Mm. And um, I don't know if uh, you've picked up on this yet, but um, my beautiful friend Shanta, you're quite well known for your scattered ability and you're always doing something and you've got so much energy and you're always putting your energy into all these different things and then Mm. I think when we were at school together a lot of the people that we studied with underestimated you and looked at you like the guy that's never going to go anywhere because which ones (laughs) is the fact that I don't remember any of their names (laughs) because they're that irrelevant now scattered is that another word for like not focused because I know yeah I know someone particular who lives in this house would would, would possibly uh, describe (laughs) it as that would you say that she is your mini me uh, you cre- you help to create this person. Well, one of them is my mini me. Mm-hmm. I, I really like this microphone setup too because what it means is that I can walk out. Oh, I, can can. Walk, I can walk over here, trying not to uh, jump on the thing, and I'll shut the door. Um, I actually did that on purpose. I brought my lapel mics today because I knew 
that there was no way I was going to get you sitting in the one spot for too long. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very nice setup. I very, I very much like it. It's, uh, yeah, it's very cool. And of course, uh, you know, and nice air conditioned space as well. You may or may not be able to hear. No, I do. Uh, I appreciate the aircon because I did a chat with uh, one of the other guests the other day over in Potts Point Studio, and it was so hot that we melted like candles. We thought we were having hot flashes, like mm. we're about to hit menopause. It's so hot in Sydney at the moment. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, oh. yeah, I, I don't have menopause, but um, well, I, I, if there's a such thing for a man, I don't know. I've just, I've just hit fifty, so I really don't know what, what's happening to me. I still have sweat under my armpits, and it's cool in here. Yeah, you so. do not want to be in a room with me if it's like if there's no aircon. So no, just, that's you know. just a mean thing to do to you. Mm. Mean thing to do to anyone. Um, really. But you have homemade lemonade. I do have homemade lemonade. I don't know what to drink first because you always make the most delicious coffees. Well, don't, you, no pressure. Just you know, drink what you can. I'm feeling a lot of pressure, actually. No. Can we just take some off? That's a that's a that's a massive coffee, by the way. I was gonna, <laughs> I, I should have given you a smaller cup. Look at all that caffeine. I'm gonna be so wired by the end of this. Mm. But hey, it could really really be a lot of fun for you. Um, okay, so walk us through what you went through from being in acting school together mm. to suddenly landing a massive role in The Hobbit, because. For us at acting school at that time, I remember studying with you. I remember doing relationship exercises with you and all our improv activities. Mm. I think we were partnered together the most throughout Probably, our entire, yeah. like, second stage of acting class, mm. which I was really grateful for because you always put in so much energy to mm. all of your character work and all of our relationship work. Mm. And it's funny, I think for an outsider looking in, they probably looked at your way of working and thought, oh, he's so disorganised, he's never going to make it, and they just wrote you off. Mm. And I'll never forget the day that you came in and told everyone this massive news. So walk us through what it was like on your end, like what happened and going from just doing everyday classes and then what was going on in your personal life at the time and literally start from the beginning because it's such a good story. It, mm. it just blows my mind. Well, we found out before The Hobbit came out that we were going to have a baby. You and Laura. You and Laura, yeah. yeah. And so... A beautiful and, woman, by the way, yeah. completely the opposite to you. Oh, yeah, totally. She, you yeah. know, my life would just be complete chaos if it wasn't her. So, um, what well, more <laughs> chaos. Yeah. Um, she, yeah, she knows me well enough. But, yeah, it, it, it was crazy. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, saying that because, you know, like I, I think you probably missed out lazy because I, I am inherently a little bit lazy. But I think laziness is is a product of of other things. It's a product of insecurity. It's a product. Like if you don't work 100% towards something and then you don't achieve it, you've always got an excuse as to why you didn't achieve it because oh, I probably should have worked harder. Mm -hmm. If you work and give everything you've got and still fail, then you are a failure in your own mind. That's 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 like a belief and I think it's a belief of, of a lot of people. So, you know, for me, I was just chopping along, doing a bit of voice work, getting the odd, you know, guesty on, on TV and, you know, Commercial guy, getting lots of TV. You were the commercial guy. I was a commercial guy for you a long and time. You were the got, commercial guy. Then, then I got old, um, <laughs> and I was working. You know, and you know, it, it, we were we were at the pulse with with Billy um, Milianos. You know, he he always pushed us as hard. He pushed us to a level that mm. wasn't just to a level that you know is acceptable. It's like a level that's going to get us to, you know, in the, the top notch. And I, I, you know, I'll never forget. You know that that, that uh, I guess ethos that he instilled in us. So I was working along. I did the audition. Um, I think it was a year before the Hobbit came up, and I was, I, you know, my agent in in New Zealand, who I still do with some stuff, um, Liz at, at Odd Management over there, and, and I was like, I found out the Hobbit was going ahead, and I hadn't been doing stuff because I was living in Australia, and she was in New Zealand. It's kind of hard to to work, and I said, look, I really want to do the Hobbit. Because um, I, I loved watching Lord of the Rings. I auditioned for Lord of the Rings way back when I sort of started professionally. Yeah. And because oh. I started quite late, I didn't start acting until I was almost 30. So, yeah. professionally. So, um, so for anyone who's using the excuse, yeah, I'm too old. No, it's rubbish. Bag of bullshit. You can yeah. start it in yeah, the it's, it, You're never too old. Yeah. And uh, so, and I auditioned for that, and I obviously wasn't really good, never heard anything back from it. And I, but I love the special features, and I remember seeing that and going, oh, I really want to do that. I really want to work on one of these projects. I want to work with Pete Jackson. I want to, want to work back home in New Zealand. Anyway, it came up, so I said, Let, let's hook up. I really want to do The Hobbit. And at that stage, it wasn't greenlit. There was no casting or anything like that for it. And yeah. she said, okay, let, let's give it a crack. And an audition came up, uh, and it was like a generic audition for uh, one of the dwarves. I think we all auditioned for Gloin, which was Scottish. 
So I hooked up with my good mate Greg Ritchie, who's a Scotsman, oh, and I learned Richie. stuff from her. I, I hooked up with, with uh, Tasneem Rock, who's another very well-known um, name in Australian uh, TV. Uh, she's yep. a great actress. Um, and obviously worked with Bill, and, and Bill worked with me a lot. And Dan Moore. I remember. Our, our friend Dan Moore, who's one of the most focused, hardest-working guys I've ever met. Yeah, you he's know? next level. He just really pushed me hard as well, Dan. And so I, I spent like two two or three full days with Billy and Dan and working through, working through. And I remember leaving. And because, yeah, that's the other thing is, is I went to, I flew to New Zealand on my, on my own account. And it was great. I got to spend some time with mum and dad after the audition and sort of, you know, mm-hmm. wind down a bit. Uh, but I didn't tell them that I was based in Sydney because I wanted to be booked as a New Zealand actor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and my acting agent at the time in Australia tried to get me in with, you know, Mulliners, but it was next level and I wasn't at that level. So I knew I'd have a much better chance. If you the, were a local look, was, than if they were flying yeah, you in. Yeah, and, and, you know, yeah. my, and my agent at the time here was obviously working hard to get me in, but yeah. it was always going to be hard yeah. um, from here. So I thought New Zealand would be the way. I flew over, put myself up, went into the audition, Dan, uh, Dan Moore got me to dress in this. Just, I've got a photo somewhere. I, I should pull it out for you. And this ridiculous costume. And it was a, it was a costume that. Remember Nigel Saunders? Yeah. Who, who we used to work with. You know, Nigel. He's from Kent. He's got this great accent. And yeah. You know, I remember doing U.S. accent classes with him, and he always just sounds like this. He's just got a, such a great, a yeah. great accent. You know. Yeah. And we did the City to Surf a few years ago as Braveheart warriors. And we just completely... Is that where you got the costume from? That's where I got the costume from. I thought I'd seen you in it before. And we were painted blue and all sorts of things. And then, and we had, we had the, we had the, um, you know... Looked like like skins, skirts. Yeah, yeah, we we had the the kilts and everything like that. And of course, Nigel cut his a little bit too short. And so he had to wear his number in front of them. Because I said, said, um, wouldn't it be funny if we just like, we completely bareback. He goes, aren't you? I go, uh, oh, no. Morning. I said, right, okay. Huh? Maybe you should put a number there. He goes, oh, no, it's all right. I, I painted them blue. So, so yeah. Oh, that's just <laughs> so, Nigel. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, he had a couple of blue batons just running around um, <laughs> the uh, the city to surf. And that was the costume. We, and we did it twice. The second year, I remember, we stopped at the um, at the Golden Sheaf for, for a midi on the way around. Which I wouldn't advise if you're doing a, like okay. a 14k run. Um, yeah. And I think it might have been the, se- the first or the second year is when I just met Laura, and I turned up, and we were dressed like that, and she knew I was doing the run, but she was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, and right. she wouldn't hold my hand. Uh, well, she did, but like she was a bit freaked out. Anyway, that was the costume that I. I mean, used. if she can accept you as that, I know. I know. I'm not surprised yeah. now that you're together yeah. and yeah. having kids. Yeah, that, and that, that was else. Yeah, yeah, that was the. But I, I got that costume and we we ripped it a little bit and tore it up. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking into the. It was with Miranda Rivers. Um, Liz Malane was casting. Miranda Rivers was casting in Auckland. Mm-hmm. And I walked into the room. I had a jacket on. My mm-hmm. hair was all roughed up, a little bit. And I walked in the room. I took my jacket off, and she just went, "Oh," <laughs> and I thought that's either a really good oh or it's a you idiot. Yeah. Oh. So You've thought, gone too far. It's too late now. Yeah, it's happened. And I did two takes. I think I think the note I got was, you know, the mic's just there. It's quite close camera. You don't have to be – you pull it back a bit. I was pretty nervous. And yeah. Two takes. That was it. And I remember she said – she goes, oh, I saw you. I was doing a commercial at the time that I shot, I think, 2008 or 2007 in New Zealand for Toyota. And it was like this big flying fox and I had my shirt off and I had to run on this flying fox. And she made a note. <laughs> yeah. And she made a note. She goes, you know – I, I, I love your ad. And it was just before the auditions that it had just been named um, like ad of the year or, or, or it might have been in full swing in New Zealand at the time. It was sure. only in New Zealand. And she made a comment that, like, you know, I, I, I love the ad. And I, I looked at that and thought, that guy would make a great dwarf. So that's how they got to know me was through that commercial. And they didn't know me any other way. But I, I guess the, the reason why I went to New Zealand was I could have put a tape down in Australia, which I do now all the time. I do tapes here and send them over. But yeah. at that time, they didn't know me. They didn't know who I was. And I wanted to get in front of the casting director because part to me, part of the casting is just being, and I learned later that how they cast, like, you know, Pete and Fran and Phil, how they cast, they, they definitely look at the type of people that they're employing. So, As I'll, in Pete, Fran and Phil, as in Peter? Jackson, um, Fran, Walsh and um, Philippa Boyens, who are the producers. So... So he's Pete to you? Oh, yeah. It's not Peter Jackson to you. It's oh, he's Pete. Pete. He's, Pete. he's Pete. Yeah, Sir Pete, maybe. Um, but, that is yeah. but he's, unbelievable. But he's, um, yeah, so I, I just, I, I did all that, and that, 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 that's why I did it. And then I walked out and just collapsed. But I remember before I left, Billy goes, 
you're going to be more prepared than any other actor in that audition. And I, and I knew it. And he goes, yeah, you know what? He goes, yeah, you're about 80%. <laughs> you know? I hate when he does that because you're always like, shit, I'm not enough. Yeah, but, 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 but that's it. But it's it. good though because but that's it, it because you're really never 100%. makes you focus. Yeah. And it's, it's, it wasn't to like make me disheartened. It just makes yeah. me work harder and go, yeah. okay. But even at 80%, he said, you'll be. And I remember walking into the room and there was a guy there reading a script. And I'm like, nah. Nah. I got, I got this. And then I collapsed. And a really good friend of mine. Uh, Did you turn to him and go, you should just go, bro? Nah. Probably... Uh, he was on after me. I just, head know, out. I just didn't, 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 even look at him, <laughs> didn't even look him in the eyes. Um, so, <laughs> Not worthy. <laughs> and a friend of mine was casting assistant at this place, uh, Linda sure. McFetridge, who's an old mate of mine from Auckland. And um, I was like, oh my God, that was, you know, I'm so glad that's over. And she goes, how'd it go? I go, you know what? I think something might come of this. I felt really good about it. Just That's really great. good. And yeah. then nothing happened for three months. And then all the stuff was going on with being greenlit and MGM went under. And there's a whole lot of stuff that happened when the union stuff. And, um, and then I got a phone call. I got a phone call. Just quickly, though, before yes. that phone call, yes. do you remember the conversation we had at Garden Street in Alexandria? Yes. I, I, yeah. Where we were sitting down and I'd asked you if you'd heard anything back mm. because I was crazy pumped for you. And at that time, you'd only told five people that you auditioned. Mm. You hadn't told anyone else. So I think mm. it was myself. The guys that you'd been working with, mm. Billy and someone else, because some I think maybe it might, Mel, maybe yours. You might have been Mel, yeah. Mm. And I remember us sitting down, we we're working over our um, exercise, and I just said, "Have you heard anything?" Like I was so excited, and mm. you go to me, "Nah." And I'm kind of at a point now where I think it might be time to throw in the towel. Mm. I, I don't think it's going to happen. And it, you were seriously talking oh, about totally. what your options were yeah. to do something else, and I was like, "Man, if you give up, I'm gonna slap you in the face." <laughs> like. You can't, you can't quit. There's that, no way. But that does happen. That's the life of the actor. And I think yeah. that, that to me is the key from what it's worth from me. I just slapped my microphone. That's just yeah, awesome, that, awesome technique. I've only been working <laughs> in sound for 25 years. Um, so, but, but to me, that's the key for success. You know, to me, it's just don't give up. It's just mm -hmm. keep going. Like, it, like if it's what you really want to do, I think you always have to assess the reasons why you're doing what you're doing. For me, I just love it. I, I just, I just love the feeling of it, and I just, you know, I couldn't have a normal job. It would just drive me and whoever employs me insane. I would, just, I, I would be a nightmare to employ on a regular basis. I just I would, would be a nightmare. There's I no would way. actually one day love to film you mm. trying to do an accountant's job one day, especially mm. an accountant that is working in those pods mm. in the main office area. Mm. because you would be out of that seat at least five times in the first hour, mm. just bugging people around the office, just asking them general questions oh, or helping music. them with stuff on their there'd desks. There'd be impromptu dancing. Oh. I'd, pr I'd probably blow something up in the microwave. <laughs> possibly, there'd possibly be a brown eye in there somewhere. I don't know. Just anything to lighten the mood. It would be a nightmare. <laughs> I don't want to work in that office. <laughs> <Go> <laughs> I don't want to work there. But anyway, uh, like, so, yes. so, so that'll happen. And I, I was honestly like that. And, and when I got the audition, I remember, you know, Laura was going, so, and she was pregnant, going, so if you get this, does that mean we move to New Zealand? Mm. This is our first child. All her family's in Sydney. And, and keep in mind, she's just decided to be with a man who dresses in Braveheart gear and goes well, on marathon runs. Yeah, but also at the time, I was just doing voiceovers and I was mm -hmm. getting the odd thing on. And I was like, I'm just, I'm gonna, if I just, I might do the odd show, maybe some stage stuff, uh, get a few commercials, do some voiceovers. I'm happy. I'm happy. And that's yeah. what I set myself. And I think a lot of that was a, a, a bit of a safety mechanism, so I wouldn't be disappointed that if I it did, didn't. Work if through. it didn't work out, which you kind of have to be, you know. Wasn't she going through at the time a fear of? Um, being, like, because I remember us talking about uh, her being concerned about being a woman in a situation where there's no security and structure. And you were, and I remember you saying to me, I can't remember how you worded it, but it was something around like you wanted to be the man who could provide as much security and structure for her as possible, but at the same time you knew you couldn't give up on what you loved. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a generic thing. And and I think if you look at anyone in that personality type, um, you know. There's, you know, quite often, like, for, there's always someone that wants to do it one way, someone wants to do it another way. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like, I, I'm, and it's, I guess, you know, when, when they talk about opposites attract kind of thing, it's, uh, I like the stability of someone who's a bit quieter and a bit more stable. And you find someone who's stable might like the excitement of someone who's a little bit more outgoing. I, so, I yeah, completely so, so sure. But, but, like, my path was set. And then suddenly I got this massive acting job and it completely changed. And suddenly, oh, okay, so you're an actor that could be traveling around the world. And mm. that's, you know, and, and a, lot of, a lot of stuff really changed, you know. So, 
Um, what kind of stuff had to change? Like, what was that change? Um, well, you know, like just packing up and moving the whole family to New Zealand. And, <laughs> I, and yeah, I mean, that, that yeah, was the true. biggest change. And I remember getting the, um, I got the phone call and, you know, we were seven months pregnant and I got the phone call saying, look, you've got the, the gig. And it was one of those weird conversations. I thought she said, do you want the good news or the bad news? But I don't think there was a bad news. I, I, it was just, it was just, you know, you've been offered the role of bomber. And I knew, because I, I, I read the book a couple of times, and I knew I'd, I, I would probably get the fat guy. Um, <laughs> I just knew it. I, I knew that was probably the way it was going to happen. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, so, and, and then it, it sort of, it, it, all, it all kind of took off. And, you know, uh, within, you know, like a, I guess it was September. Or, it was September. And I couldn't tell anyone for like four weeks because there's a whole yeah. lot of other stuff happening. And then it all came out and then it just went ballistic and, you know, uh, and then January, I think January 13th, 2011, we shifted to New Zealand and that's when it just, mm. you know, and it was, it was weird, you know, like having, having a first child and then like the dream job yeah. at the same time, it was just, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, I yeah. remember having conversations with Richie about, we were just watching when you would come to the school after it got announced to everyone that you'd gotten the role. And by this stage, him and I kind of already knew and, mm. you know, everyone else that was in your close circle at the time at the school. And I'll never forget him saying to me, he's like, oh, you can see them all. They're like flies on shit just trying to get to him and be his friend there. <laughs> they didn't give a shit two weeks ago, did you, you little fuckers? <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's just so fucking true, like just yeah. watching the whole situation. And yeah. I actually never had a chance to even ask you this, but... Did you go through a period at all where suddenly all these people just came out of the woodwork? Like, Steve, you're Facebook. my best. Yes. Yes. I want to be your friend. Oh. I, I haven't been in touch for 30 years and I went to school with you. And, like, yeah. you know, that's fine. There's some great people and it's, it's And it that's is, what, sometimes that's you Facebook reconnect is. with someone where you're like, fuck, I haven't spoken to you in ages. Yeah. 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 Well, you're like, I met up with one of our old mates, Arlene, the other, the other day. We studied with him. It was something on Facebook. I yeah. just happened to be, it's the end of the school holidays, and we were all just like, we just need our own space. So I thought, yeah. look, I'll go into town. I'll spend a couple of hours in there. But it's it's the kind of thing, it's it's great. But, yeah, I mean, there is that. But, mm. like, and in particular, like, it happens with, like, you know, fans. It sounds like a bit of a wank, but it's there are fans. But, you know, what, what my role was, in a way, it was like a custodian of this amazing character and this amazing story that was already loved by so many people and then now people just associate you with that so it's not like i've done this original script and this original character and people love the character and they want to be my friend and they want to follow me on social media because of that work i've done a lot of it was because i'm now associated with something they already love and yeah i don't sure. want to take away from the from the from the work okay. i did on it because i'm proud of the work i did on it but but you know we like inherited this fan base and we we became custodians for this group of people who were like just already complete you know these people who are already completely wrapped up in Tolkien and and you know the Hobbit and love the Lord of the Rings and all that kind of stuff so to me there was a responsibility first you know and we do conventions around the world and I don't do so many now but we they flew us to Germany like three years in a row for this thing called HobbitCon and I've done you know Supernova and, yeah and I did Oz Comic Con and Supernova and all the, all the Australian shows and I did Armageddon in New Zealand and I did Dragon Con and Atlanta and all that kind of stuff and but but what you find is that you know these people are just so fascinated by the shows you know mm. and I always tell people, look, if you're going to do a convention, you have to really enjoy that experience. Don't just do it because these people, they spend money and they really want to get connected. And, it, you know, it might be, are you connected to reality or you, are they really wanting to love the idea of something? Look, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's like rule one, don't be a dick. And that's it. You know, <laughs> that's it. Because, you know, and... Because you make that a rule in life. Yeah, yeah just in pretty general, much. Just don't be a dick. I mean, I don't want to sound like a wanker, but it's like, a lot of these people, they, they meet you and they've got such a, they just love the material and they love that you're involved with it. Yeah. And you just have to just oblige them and just be really nice. And, you know, it's, it's like a great way. And, and, you know, we did these shows and because we spent two years together with all these guys and it just, it was a way for us to reconnect and see our mates and obviously get a bit of cash and, you know, a bit of money and stuff like that. And it, yeah, it was just like a nice experience. And the idea of someone coming up to you, you know, even a few people going, look, I really love what you do and you're my favourite character and I love 
the Hobbit and all that. It's it's like a you can think of worse ways to spend your day, really. Yeah. You know. True, you could be in a cubicle being an accountant. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Doing brown eyes and setting fire to things <laughs> in the microwave. <laughs> Time for a quick break and for you to hear about the products that One Together gets behind. All right, drinking alcohol is a pastime in Australia that you just can't get away from. All right, it happens over here. In fact, it's a big cultural thing the world over. But if you're anything like me and you cannot drink very often or you like to be mindful of the effects that it has on your body, but you also don't mind the odd wine or sundowner as well, do I have the gift for you? I actually do. It's called Body Armor and it's actually this really smart drink that was developed by a team of dudes that wanted to protect their liver when they were drinking alcohol, right? So it actually helps with the effects of hangovers, which is awesome. It means that you can actually get up and get into the day if you've maybe gotten a little bit too frazzled the night before, but also it's recognized by the TGA over here, which means it's categorized as a medicine. And that, my friends, is really difficult to do. Even pregnant women drink it for nausea. So it's this really boss stuff and it will help you out a lot. It really protects your liver and all of the good things that you need it to do when your body isn't doing good. So you can get it on their website, that's bodyarmor.com.au, or you can get it on their socials, bodyarmor.au, that's A-R-M-O-U-R, because they wanted to keep you in the mix. Get it? Yeah, because they thought of you when they made it. That's a little joke I added in for you. Thanks for staying with us. Everything we endorse is fully backed and loved by the team at One Together. We do our research on every company or product to make sure it's either healthy-minded or it will serve to give back to the community or even the environment in some way. So let's get back to that discussion. What is the strangest thing that you've been requested in Comic-Con while I swap drinks and move on to my deliciously fresh lemonade? Yeah, that we made, uh, Rosie and I. Um, Look, that's really good, by the way. Yeah, it's nice. I you should put a bit of water in because it was a yeah, it was a it was a quite strong. But look, I think the um, mm. like f- f- not so much for me personally. Like you get photos and they want all silly faces, especially in Germany because they've got a you know very bizarre sense of humour. You can go, you know, could you all please have silly faces? I go sure, and you know I just like, do normal. Oh, that's so cute. And, but it's nice all your whole weapons or things that they've got. But mm-hmm. I remember. Um, uh, Graham, I think I'm pretty sure it's happened to Graham or Dean because Dean, Dean O'Gorman, who's another dear friend of mine, you know, he gets all the, all the, he's all, the sexy the, uh, one. He's a sexy one, apparently. You know, um, he is the sexy but one. He, one of the, is he one, single, by the way? No, he's married. He's about to have a child. All right, there you go, ladies. There back you go. off. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of those guys, either Dean or Graham, I think, a lady came up and they said, can you please sign my arm? And they did a signature on her arm. Next day, came back, tattooed. No. no yes. No. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, but good on you. Yeah. Um, See, but that never happened to me. I, I wasn't quite as no? popular. No. Well, I used to wanna... get people and go, oh, look, you're my favourite character. Look, I can't afford an autograph for you because I've just already got Dean and Graham, but I just love you. I just want to tell you that. I go, okay, thanks. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> if we get enough likes, shares mm. and downloads, mm-hmm. On this podcast alone, mm. you can sign my butt cheek and I will get it tattooed. <laughs> but it has to get okay. what's our what's our limit? Like what have we got to get? It's gotta be an outrageous number. Okay. Because <laughs> you're gonna I will do this. I'm, okay. I'm let's a just woman of my this, word. Let's just tackle this thing one thing at a time. I'm gonna sign your butt cheek. Right. Yeah. Okay. We've done weirder in class. Yeah, we probably been. have. There's, to, there's to be still been some strange things that we've I remember done Nigel Saunders always went naked. Actually, Greg Ritchie got naked quite a bit as well. He did. He did. Aaron went nude at yeah, the end yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got naked kind of. Yeah. But I could never bring myself to go full no, starkers. I, I couldn't. I think it's because I've had a Brazilian though. So oh, it's right, just okay. a bit too naked. Like hey, look there's out. fresh air and it's yeah. quite a strange feeling. Yeah, when I, you're I've a girl. never had one of those. Yeah. No? No. Okay. Yeah. I knew an Argentinian once. You. Oh, sorry. No, we're okay, no, never mind. <laughs> we can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, if we get enough, okay, what we need a number here mm. for shares, downloads, likes in total. Mm. What's a what's a valid number to go with? Oh, gee, I don't know. I mean, I want to say a million, but I feel like I'm <laughs> I've made it almost impossible for the people listening. Oh, just do it. Now, is it like a real one or is it going to be one of those stick-on ones? No, I'm talking real, like life-altering, real. You sign my ass cheek, I get it tattooed. So you're going to have a tattoo on your your ass. I don't know, 20, 30? On the cheek. (laughs) 
<laughs> just go a million. Like if it gets a million, why not? Okay. Why not? Because it's a pretty, you know. And we'll go across the board. So yeah, likes, yeah. shares, downloads, all of the above. Yeah. In terms of traction. Yeah. A million. And at any stage, if you wanted to backtrack, I would consider that because it's that's a pretty big, it's a pretty good call. So. Well, that's how that is how much I support your career, Stephen. <laughs> my, my right ass cheek. Oh my gosh. Will allow a signature on it for the rest of my life. I mean, I don't know how my future partner will end up feeling about yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm sure he'll understand or she. You know, yeah. When in Rome. Um. So, let's let's talk about that moment that you went through, where. You had to seriously consider whether or not you were going to continue going after what you wanted because mm. that was quite a tumultuous moment for you and you went after it anyway. How did you break through that that barrier? What was your way to go from it's not going to happen and I don't think I can do this anymore and considering other options mm. to going, no, nah, fuck it, I'm just going to keep going anyway because it wasn't actually getting the role in The Hobbit. No. That got you past that breaking point. Yeah. You did that yourself. Yeah. What did you do? Like, God, I wish I knew. <clears throat> it's it's, and it's ongoing. Like it's that's not the first time it's happened. It happens all the time. About do you still have it now? Oh yeah, totally. Like you know, not right now, but you know, from time to time, it's mm. you know, I remember we made a joke a couple of years ago after Christmas. Like you know, when you get home. Um, you should look up that website about Uber driving. I go, oh, yeah. And she goes, no, seriously, I think you should. <laughs> and then I get like three commercials in a row and, and other stuff takes off. So, yeah. But I think that it's that kind of industry. You just have to really reassess things. And I actually think it's a good thing for me to explore other options. Like mm-hmm. in this game, I can't, I can't judge my success in life on purely my acting career. I mean, I can't, I don't anyway. I mean, I judge it on my family life. I judge it on relationships, my friendships, my health. There's a whole lot of things that I have to look out for. Um, but when things get tough, you know, you go into self-sabotage things. For me, it's e- eating. It used to be drinking, not so much anymore. Well, it's not really? Anymore. I didn't know that. Yeah, like totally. And What kind I, of drinking? Like binge drinking? Like, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, but right. I never knew at the time. Yeah. But I was but just doing look- what everyone else was doing. Right. But a lot of it's the reasons behind it. And I, did, I yeah. discovered that I was drinking a lot just to, you know, just to try and get through basically. Yeah. Um, for various reasons, you know. And, you know, you develop, you find out more about yourself and, those kind of things happen. I think at that time I was like, it was like, it's letting yourself down gently. Like maybe it's not going to happen, but I think it's quite a good thing. Like to me, I think I always, I'm a believer in at the end of a breakdown comes breakthrough. And sometimes you have to break down to break through, you know, you have to like, you have to fail to, to learn all that kind of stuff. And I chose an industry that is, and it's quite ironic because the acting industry is full of a lot of people with, self-doubts we can be quite fragile we can be a bit you know emotional all that kind of stuff neurotic yeah neurotic or but at the same time it's an industry based on rejection like when you think about it we do auditions and we don't hear back or we don't get the job or we get the job then it's cancelled or something happens you know i mean that happens all the time so it's quite funny really when you think that the type of people attracts it's all about that so um I don't know. I, when I talk to a lot of young people about the industry, the first thing I say is you just persistence. You just got to keep. If it's really what you want to do, you've got to do that. You've also got to have a few things on the go. Um, yeah. Like I, I remember, and for example, I used to work in radio at a, in a small town called Tokoroa in New Zealand, and they had one big mill. It was the mill, the Kinleith pulp and paper mill, and that was the single biggest employer by a long shot. And it was like when the mill got a sniffle, the whole town caught a cold. So it was like it relied on one industry. It was that the town was living and dying on one mill. And I know it happens in various places. And the same with businesses. If you rely on one thing, what happens if it goes, that goes down the toilet? Then you've got nothing. So that's why you have to diversify. And I think as an actor and for my business, you know, like I, I, I got I just, the last couple of years with Hunter McMahon, New York Film Academy, and now he's got his own little setup. And, um, and also with Bill at the Actors Pulse, I started doing some teaching. I've got my Cert 4. Um, I've got my working with children checks. I've got those things in place. I can teach anywhere. You know, my voiceover, I've had to continue reevaluating where the voiceover market's going and, you know, make my moves and change and alter things accordingly. Um, You know, getting my new booth set up and looking into audio books or, you know, constantly looking at areas when I'm not acting because otherwise I'm just, you know, my or our family income and my, you know, what I, I guess my indicator for success is guided by other people like my agent or productions. And 
you, you can't really like it's I mean you can but it, it just drives you insane so in a way mm. you, like you have to be in control of your own destiny yourself um, and so at that moment when I thought maybe it's not going to happen if I and I always find if I put my efforts into something you know like doing podcasting or I was doing those you know this video series the actors talk about themselves for a little while and I, I put energies into that and as soon as I do that something something appears yeah um and that, that's a constant thing. I mean, I've had that with my voiceover career. I've had that with my teaching. I've had it, you know, with my acting all the time. You know, is it going to happen? Um, and I think acting's a thing, momentum, it builds. Your name builds. And, you know, really all I do with my auditions and the same with any job, if I go in for an audition, I just do the best audition I possibly can so that they get me back next time if I'm not right for this. When I do a job, I just make a great impression. I do a really great job. So they'll think of me down the line. It's like, putting things into a pipeline and then eventually they come out a year later and you just need a whole lot of pipelines you just need a whole lot of things on the go you're like an acting amway yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> well i coach as well like you know i do coaching i do yeah I do act, I've, act, I've had acting, you coach me at times act, i've coached teaching. you at times yeah it's good well i think it's yeah. good because and to me like and that's what i love especially with auditions and things is mm. essentially it's just like having another a scene partner someone to work with you can see things that i can't see when you were talking to me about my stuff and vice versa. And yeah. to me, that's that's all our connecting coaches in my mind for how I operate. Yeah. That's all it is. And picking picking people that you know have no ego in the room. You know what I mean? Like mm. ego is death to yeah. all acting. Oh, we've you, all got egos. Yeah. Oh, but if you walk yeah. in and you you leave your ego on the floor and you yeah. can't take on the direction from the other person, yeah, yeah. you know, kill that scene really quickly. So yeah. but in saying that, anyone who looks at your life mm. and sees all the shiny roles and mm. short films that come out and you know you've worked with some of the most amazing people in mm. the Australian industry as well as overseas mm. um is it easy being Stephen Hunter is it easy how much work goes into being you on a daily basis as little basis? as possible <laughs> look to be honest because I, I I you know I don't like trying to but I, I, I'm a master at working really hard on the little stuff that doesn't count because the hard stuff is hard and there's a reason why it's hard and there's a reason why we well that, that there's a too hard basket because it's too hard and we don't want to do it but when i delve into that that's when things start to happen mm -hmm. and i stop mucking around on the, all the little the fluffy things the, you know yeah and, and luckily i've got someone in my life that can see through that and call me on it like on, a, she? on a daily basis on a daily basis hourly perhaps um <laughs> so yeah like that's i guess that's one way of mm. What, would you would you equate a lot of your or like 50 percent of your success to having such an amazing team relationship whereby laura and yourself work together on your life and her life do you know what i mean like am i um, yeah i mean I, i'm i guess one of my the downsides is that i'm so independent i just like doing everything myself mm. i just like doing stuff myself and i'm not that great at delegating i'm not that great at you know i just i'm I'm controlling in my own way. I think we're all controlling in our own way yeah. in some aspects. But I think particularly in like relationships and family, you know, that's really important. It's like really important to me and it grounds me and it, it you know, it cuts through all the bullshit and I get to see what's really important. And, you know, she's incredibly organised and, mm -hmm. you know, she can see things that I can't and, you know, she helps me with my business and obviously with a child who's eight and, you know, that's, that side of things sorted. We're Holy at a great crap, school. Rosie is I know eight she's now. eight. She's eight. Um, she's eight. But it's the same like with agents and it's the same wow. with, with all those types of people. I mean, like to me, you know, I've got an amazing agent and I'm just so happy. And, and I've got a great agent in New Zealand who's, you know, Liz is like, I guess, like a sister. I've been with her for a long time. So, mm. and, you know, I have to manage all those types of things. You know, I've got, I'm with a great voice agent, um, which I, I just love and they're amazing. I've got an amazing accountant which as an actor, you need so a great important. accountant. And he's amazing. And he's he's a friend and he's also, you know, he he'll he'll give me advice on a lot of a lot of different stuff. And that's really important. Um, you know, and I like I, I believe you need people around you who are good at the stuff that you're not. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's I think that's quite important. I mean my sound guy, Richie, who put this together, who I've only really just hooked up with. Incredible, you know, and uh, you just you just surround yourself with people who are gonna make you better, really, and are gonna support you. Because otherwise you just end up trying to do it all yourself, which I still do. I mean, I know yeah. that's my downfall. And people, like, looking at your career trajectory, like, from an outside standpoint, one of the things that's always impressed me with you is your personal life has never been short of drama either. You know, mm. I feel like 
um, to anyone who wouldn't know you. They'd just mm. think, oh, you know, he's this great guy that's full of fun and happiness and mm. he's always smiling and he's always got a new idea and he's always trying something new and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And not a lot of people realise, like, there's been some true sad moments in your life mm. and one of those for you, and I go, oh, I'm going to try not to cry when I talk about it, mm. uh, was when your father passed away mm. and when he died, it was only a very short time after I'd lost mine mm. and I will never... I will never, ever forget your face when you told me that he'd passed away because I was at your place in, um, it was in Coogee or something. You were living in Coogee or Bronte? Yeah, yeah, Coogee, yeah. Somewhere around yeah, there? Yeah. Oh, man. And we were like, we were in one of the side rooms and Rosie at the time was so little. She mm. was only very new to the world. She was obsessed with hula hooping. Yeah. I think we probably just came back. Yeah. We, we had five, oh. five weeks of hell over there. Um, like, And, you know, like, when we did all our activities and stuff, and a lot of our, with the Meisen training is about personalising. We use different relationships to get where we need to get. And all my activities was all about my dad. Yeah. You know, all about my dad. And I love my mum. And my mum's, you know, still alive. I talked to her yesterday and she's got some exciting things happening in her life now. And um, But I guess it was my dad and I'm very much like my dad. I'm like a clone of my dad, like my daughter's a clone of me. And that was the first person ever close to me who'd ever passed away. And it was the most important person in my life the most important mm. and it was just it was horrible and it's i think about them every single day they know it never go it, no. i feel like it just never goes away and my way of describing it is mm. like it's like you pick up this boulder one day mm. this giant rock and you're like why the fuck did i pick this up yeah and yeah. then you're like oh bugger it you just put it in your pocket because you don't know mm. what else to do with it and then you're walking around with this boulder and every now and again you pull <clears> it out and you remember how heavy it is and how mm. annoying it is and how sad it is and you're like well i don't want to put the boulder away because mm. it's all I've got left, but carrying it is really heavy. So mm. you just put it back in your pocket again and then eventually like one day in a few years' time you pull it out and it's a pebble now. Yeah, yeah. And you just got this incredible pebble yeah. that is like this beautiful reminder of them mm. and, and it reminds you of how sad you are without them. Mm. But at the same time, because you carry it, it's like that person is always with you. Yeah, and it's it's like and you pull it out less and less. And yeah. then it, and it's and it gets lighter and lighter. I think yeah. that's what you're trying to say is that. And it does because, you know, I still think about him and I still get sad. But I also I think more about the the great things about him and I talk about him a lot more now. Um, mm. So, yeah, and that was that was four and a half years ago. So, yeah, so he just left a massive hole. But And it, it's funny because I probably missed more the things that we did a few years before he passed away than just immediately. Not that we didn't get on or anything, but he, he was getting older and we probably yeah. didn't get to catch up as much, you know, and you regret things. I, I remember... You know, and the moments, you know, when you sort of, you know, it's going to be the last, could be the last time you see him and you're chatting and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's it's not as, when you do acting classes and you're thinking about this kind of stuff, it's so dramatic. But at the time, it never is. It, it's just, a, it's a lot more, it's a lot more real, you know, and it's a mm. lot more true. Um, but, yeah, that was really tough. And, I, and I, I, that, that laid me out for, that laid me out for a year. I went to see a counsellor actually after that. And she said, look, <clears throat> you're grieving on two counts you're grieving for the job that you had because I guess the one thing we haven't covered, when that job finished, The Hobbit, after two years, I there was a time where I thought my that my life had peaked and I was never going to get better. And that's a horrible thing to think when I've, I had like a three-year-old, you know, and a wonderful family. But that's honestly how I felt. So I was grieving of this loss because it's like, you know, people have an amazing job and some people have jobs for life and you've got a long-term job and a career and they love their job, they love the people they work with and, and I guess the one downside of the acting thing is like we have a great time, but it's only temporary. So we had these amazing friends. We had an amazing time. We got given the world, you know, by, you know, the Jacksons and, and you know, they were, they were incredible to us. And then suddenly, bang, it's gone. And she mentioned to me, she said, look, you're grieving for that and you're grieving for your dad at the same time. So, you know, it, was, it wasn't all fun and games for a while there. It was, it was kind of hard. And I know a lot of the other guys went through similar things. Um, one of my other good friends, Adam Brown, he lost his dad you know, a short time before uh, my dad as well. And, right. you know, but it's, we're all going, what are we going to do now? Like this, this was such a big part of our life and it was so built up, you know, and we started to believe our own hype about what's going to happen and we'll go to the States and we'll do this. And I went over there for a couple of weeks, went to Disneyland, drank some coffee and came home, you know, it's like, <laughs> um, I, but I know now I'm not going to base over there. If I could get a job there, you know, there's lots of, I mean, I, I, I want to work, for the US shows in the Gold Coast. I'll just keep doing that, you know, if I can make a living out of that. But yeah, it was, 
that was really tough. And then last year, I lost a, a very, very close friend of mine who was my best man because I was married previously. And, um, you know, he has cancer. And he was, you know, he, he was um, like, like a, a month younger than me. You know, he was about to turn 50. He missed his 50th birthday by two days. And he found out in January last year that he had, um, had cancer like three times, you know, had gone through his body and, you know, he had about a 1% chance. He didn't tell me that, but he said he hasn't got, you know. But he was like, well, there's no reason why I can't be in that 1%. And he fought and he fought. And, and someone so close to your age, and I guess on top of my dad, that was, that was kind of hard. So this year's been, you know. And then like another friend of mine, I found out it's got had throat cancer and he's in treatment and, um, you know, I guess the outlook for him is a lot brighter. But, you know, you think as you get older, um, that's, that's, the that, that's the future, you know. And living in Australia as well, not living in New Zealand and all my friends, what they're going to go through. I've had a lot of friends who have lost their parents and it's just, I guess it's just life and you have to choose you know, I have to choose that I'm here and I've got responsibilities here that I have to take care of, you know, with my family and my, and my work. But at the same time, do what I need to do in New Zealand. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it, it takes it out of you and it's, it's hard to be creative when all that stuff's going on. So then how are you so creative? How do you, like from an external perspective, it just seems like you're always able to stay on top of it. Do you have moments where you? Oh, totally. Yeah. Within these walls, you know, I'm I'm Mister I'm Mister Happy, Mister Everything on the outside. It's my family that cops it, I guess. <laughs> well, no, seriously. Yeah. No, my, it's usually <clears throat> my partner, whoever I'm yeah. dating at the time. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you're the one that's going to get yeah. my wrath. Yeah, and because you've got to process. And it's and, because I yeah. love you. <laughs> yeah, but 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 we all have to process it, and we all have yeah. to get, we all have to let it out, and it has to come out somewhere. And I guess what I love of my job is that I can use it as well in my job. Mm, it's quite cathartic at times. Yeah, and I, and I like I'm lucky. I'm I'm a, I'm I guess I'm quite spontaneous with my work as well. And I can go and I can click into any anything I can. When it comes to generating work, like writing and that kind of thing, I, I get blocked. And you know, I've I've got so much stuff that I've just started and and not not followed through on. It's it's frustrating because I, I I love that. I got the booth now, and I'm I've sort of invested a little bit of money in it. So I've got to just get on and start doing some stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the one thing I've learned over the last couple of years, you just got to get on. You just, you just got to, you just got to keep going. And life is short. It could go like that. Something could happen. You could get sick. Um, you know, you just have to make the most of it, and I guess treasure what you've got as well. You know. Do you reckon there's any way that um, a person is able to learn that lesson on how short life is if you haven't lost someone close to you, either suddenly or from sickness, or watch them? Even, even like I've had friends who have been perfectly healthy and then <clears> had an accident. <throat> physically or mentally um, mm. and haven't fully recovered to their regular health. Mm. Um, like I've got a girlfriend of mine who's got MS mm. and she has times in her, like in a year, maybe three times in a month, mm. she'll just fall apart and she physically mm. can't keep up with the amount of work that she would need to in order mm. to get to a successful level. Mm. And so she ends up just having to fall apart. And it, yeah. it breaks my heart for her because she's so fun-loving and mm. always puts herself out there and works her ass off to be mm. the best that she can be mm. and she'll never be able to do the things that I'm able to do. Mm. And I don't know, I just sometimes wonder if you're ever able to really learn how lucky you are mm. if you haven't seen someone go through it or gone through it yourself. I don't know, and especially when you're young, you're invincible. I mean, one of my oldest mates mm. in New Zealand, Matt, he, he was, his suppose, you know, shit happens, then you die. And it's like, that's so right. <laughs> shit happens, mm -hmm. you know. It just it just happens, and yeah. you just have to deal with it. And it's a good mantra for social media. Just a side note. Well, yeah, and you know, and, and I know you know, like it, as much as it's been tough dealing with all this kind of stuff, I know there's thousands of people out there who've dealt with way worse, you know. And it's it, that's just that's life. That is life, and it's so easy to get down. And and I think, yeah, I, I think that's the other thing I've learned this year is you know, like, I just can't. There's no excuse, you know. You deal with it. You, you obviously. You've got mm -hmm. to get out. You, you have to be responsible for how you are sort of emotionally and mentally. You've got to find ways to deal with it. And then there's a responsibility to, you know, your, your business relationships, to your family, to actually still give them, you know, deal with what you've got to deal with. Not just not, not step on it or sweep it under the carpet, but really deal with it, you know. Go see somebody. Go, you know, get it off your chest. Go see a counsellor. Just get some help. And, you know, because that's, that's, it's just like with your health or, you know, if you've got, you know, something wrong with you, you go see a doctor, you, you go get it dealt with so you can carry on with your life, you know? Um, <clears throat> Cause I think, I, I, I think 
I probably too easily tend to wallow in it a little bit and mm. you know and it's it just it's just not helpful it's just yeah. it's just not very it's not very productive to start with <laughs> it, it's not great for everybody else um yeah you know but you know that that happens and look sometimes and uh you know and we've had occasions too in, in our family where both of us have been dealing with stuff and on those occasions when you want to give you want to give support to someone if you're empty as well it's really it's really tough and those times of like when you're both running on zero um you know that that times that take a little extra patience and and those types of things so yeah you know That's it's just true. life isn't it i mean it sucks sometimes but you know it's uh i mean if my dad were alive today he'd go oh just you know get on with it that's exactly yeah, what he'd say true. it's exactly what he'd say and yeah. pete would say the same he was like you know he was he had all his stuff set up all his all his life set all his insurances in place his family were well looked after and you know he fought as hard as he could and he didn't want to go obviously but at the same time he was very pragmatic and he was like well that's you know well, I think that's the perfect note to leave it on there, my good mate. Uh, so make sure you follow my hilarious friend on Instagram at Stephen J Hunter number one. So it's just at Stephen J Hunter one. He is the perfect example of making your dreams come true at any age or life circumstance. Also, there's a little life lesson in this one, I think, for everyone, especially the people at school that underestimated old mate Shunter. Maybe, maybe just shake the hand of that person in the office that you've always written off for at school or in class or whatever, you know, maybe just let them know that you're thinking of them because you never know what someone could end up doing with their life. It's pretty amazing. Remember, you can follow us on the website, which is onetogetherpodcast.com. You may have even found us on there in the first place. You can leave comments on the site if you like as well, or you can shoot us a personal email to onetogetherpodcast at gmail.com. We love getting feedback and we also love your suggestions on whether or not you feel you have a story that you could share that could potentially help other people. Now, there are so many platforms we are on now and the best part, if you sign up to Anchor where we are hosted, you can send us audio messages. For example, hello, One Together Podcast. My name is, insert name here, and I would like to say, insert comment here of, amazingness and frivolity. So like I keep saying, we are one together. So we love hearing from you because we're creating a community. It's not about us talking at you. It's about us sharing insights and discussing things as a group. Now you can get extras on the following socials, Heather Maltman for Instagram and Heather Maltman official on Facebook because I am fancy. You can also get us on the tube of you as well, which is otherwise known as YouTube. That's a little dad joke for you. This is the One Together podcast reminding you that one is in fact not the loneliest number. Keep getting after it and feel free to pass this along to anyone who might even start thinking slightly that they are not anything other than the absolute shit because you are the shit. You are the shit. You are amazing. Keep getting... You want me to stop? Okay, no, stop. Sorry about that. I got a bit overexcited. Keep listening.